Good morning, church. You may be seated. My name is Eric Ashley. I'm honored to be one of the pastors here at Grace and glad to have you guys in worship. Our mission here is to create a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. And so we're glad to have you here in this community, in this place this morning. Today we're beginning a new series called Living Your Best Life. If uh, it kind of goes around on social media, this hashtag of living your best life or live your best life or I'm living my, some variation of that goes around and, and the hashtag has clocked more than 865,000 hits on Instagram. HuffingtonPost.com has an entire section devoted to this idea. Google, and we know everything in Google is 100% correct, right? Google, there are 6.1 billion results. If you Google living your best life, include articles and books and social media posts and websites dedicated to helping you live your best life. But the question is, what on earth is living your best life all about? And, and why is it that it looks like so many people around us are living their best life and I don't know if you feel like me, but I, I don't always feel like I'm living my best life. Why do they have the formula locked in and we don't? Well, here's a spoiler alert. They don't have it locked in either. They have it locked in on social media. They're living their best life on social media, but the reality is we don't, we don't post all of our life on social media, right? We post the great vacations, not the ones that were disasters where the car broke down 12 times and we had 55 uh, arguments on the way out to the interstate. We don't post when you get food poisoning. We only post when you had this great, awesome meal. You know, We don't post bad cups of coffee. We only post good cups of coffee. So not all this living your best life is out there. There may be, we should start a hashtag of like not living our best life maybe and see what happens there. But you know, most of them are like this. You're, you're in great vacations in exotic locations, beautiful places, or you're doing things like you've never thought you'd be doing before, like riding an elephant. You know, my, many of them are landscapes, beautiful places where you, you know, just love God's creation. Good cups of coffee and treats for sure. And then you have people like this. This is the this is the Christian community right here. Hey, that's mine. It is yours. <laughs> Christian community, we don't say living your best life. It, it, ours is hashtag Sabbath, because that's our cool <laughs> word that we do. And it usually involves things like, yeah, cups of coffee. Many times you'll see pastors' feet, you know, in the sand at the beach reading the Bible or some high, high theological type book, you know. Um, or in, in their house around the, around the fireplace with the dog sitting there and I'm reading Bonhoeffer or Karl Barth or somebody like, you know, some highfalutin guy. This is a friend of Angela and I. This is our friend uh, Jeremy Hearn with his daughter in the hammock with his hashtag, Sabbath living his best life. But the reality of this is that many of us are not living our best life and we may not even know what that means. And and even if we post on Facebook or Instagram that it's not the reality. So these next six weeks, we're going to look at what it might be to live uh, your best life, but living it from God's perspective. And what does that mean for us as we live our best life God's way? So join us for these next six weeks. We got small groups happening too. Some of them are launching tonight and others are launching during the week. They're still available and they're 
information out in the lobby if you're interested in that. And there'll be many of them will be following along with this series as well. So welcome to worship. We're glad you're here. Would you stand and welcome one another with a handshake, a fist bump, or a hug? Welcome to worship. But it is kind of telling of our society these days. We are very uh, consumerist-driven society. We we like to have it the way we want to have it, and and we all have things that we like, and we all have things that we may not like, and. And uh, that is not anything new under the sun. You know, some of us like a certain type of music and a certain type of style or a certain volume, or some of us like a certain color carpet or paint colors, or that's just how it is when we like different ways. And, you know, I think that's okay. In fact, we had an old slogan uh, several years ago from Burger King that says you can have it your way, right? If you don't like pickles, have no pickles. If you want extra ketchup, have extra ketchup. No lettuce, no lettuce. It's good, but it's good with hamburgers, I think. Not so good with our faith. And as we look around, sometimes I think this has invaded our faith life a little bit. We, we've, we've made it have your own way faith. And it's good for lots of things. You know, it's good for these Instagram things. It's, it's, it's incredible to go to some of the places that our friends and neighbors get to go to and that you guys get to go to. And In fact, Trace, yesterday, Trace, I was, yesterday afternoon, I said, Trace, you know, we're trying to do a little fall getaway. We should go to New York City. We've never been to New York City. That would be awesome. And she's like, um, how are we going to go to New York City? It'd be great, but it's not realistic. And then, and, you know, so these are all good things. None of them are bad things to go and have these wonderful pictures with elephants and things, but that can't be our only driving factor, and it can't be our, our driving factor in our faith life. And sometimes it gets in that way, and, and it's not biblical, it's not real. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a theologian in the First World War, he was, a, he was a Christian theologian who stood against Hitler when many were ignoring and not standing against Hitler, Bonhoeffer would call that, make it, have it your own way, cheap grace. He says uh, when Christ calls us to follow him, he doesn't say, come follow me and, and do whatever you want, have it your own way. He says when Christ calls a person, he bids them to come and die. Not to have it their own way, but to come and to die. In your back of your bulletin, we've started using some of these notes and some that have fill in the blanks and some notes for you. If that's helpful to you, I'd urge you to take those out and you can use them to follow along. We're getting ready to kind of dig in there. And also on the back table in front of the AV booth, we have some hardcover Bibles that if you'd like to use a Bible here in, in worship and you haven't brought yours, you can utilize these. And, and then if you need one at home or you know someone has one, needs one at home, we have these paperbacks. Please feel free to take those as our gift to you. So how do we live our best life? How do we live our best life God's way? The first thing I think we need to understand is that it's not about us, it's about God. It's not about us, it's about God. And many times we get that turned around. We are have it your own way, start with me, faith. 
And really, it's not about us, it's about God. We learn that in the very first page of the scriptures. Genesis 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. It doesn't say, In the beginning, God, or In the beginning, Eric created, had God create the world exactly how Eric would like to create it with, you know, no sharks at the beach, no alligators in the lakes. 75 degree temperatures year-round, you know. God didn't really ask, ask me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God created the world. God was first, not us. But many times we think, in finding our purpose and finding what we're supposed to do in this life, we think about ourselves first because we are a have-it-your-own-way society. Secondly, we need to remember that we were created for a purpose. God created each and every one of us for a specific purpose. He shaped and molded us with specific talents and skills and gifts. Some of you guys are, are gifted uh, craftsmen. And can, and can make wood into any kind of thing, be it a building or furniture or carvings. Some of you all are the, the band, and, and some of you out there are, are musically talented. My wife said our neighbor was mowing his grass yesterday. He has an electric mower, and uh, she said, I heard Chris singing. He needs to sing in the praise band. It's like, okay. Well, he doesn't really go to our church, but I'll call him right now and tell him to come sing in the praise band. Some of you guys are musically talented. Some of you guys are gifted um, intellectually with, with just a minds that I can't even fathom. And there's all kinds of different giftings, and we all have them. We're put together as a body of Christ for individual purposes and collective communal purposes as well. Paul says in Ephesians, and this is from the message version. This is a, a, a um, paraphrase by Eugene Peterson says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we ever heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us and designs for us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. So there's three things we can pick up from, from Paul there in Ephesians. The first is that we discover our purpose in Jesus Christ. We don't discover our purpose in us. We don't discover our purpose in the world. We don't discover our purpose in our neighbors. We discover our purpose in Jesus and how Jesus created us to be and what is Jesus is calling us to do. Secondly, God was thinking about us before we were thinking about him. In Wesleyan theology, we would call this prevenience grace. This is grace that goes before we recognize God working in our lives. It's preventing grace. These are things like, as we reflect back on our faith life, that we would see people that were put into our lives, situations that happened in our lives, where God shaped and molded situations and people to come together at just the right times, to lead and direct us. I, I, I don't know about you, but I can think back on the beginnings of my faith life and think, okay, there's a reason for this person at that point. 
There was a reason that I didn't grow up in the church and at points attended Christmas and Easter and BBS. You know, those little, there are little points there that I can remember that God used as seeds in my life. So it's this God knowing us and being, reaching out to us before we ever knew who God was. And then thirdly, in this verse in Ephesians, our purpose fits into a larger cosmic purpose of God. It's not just about us and our plan for our lives. It's not just about us and, and blessings that we receive, but it's how God knits the whole world together. Our gifts, your neighbor's gifts, and gifts around the world to fulfill God's purposes now and forever. We discover our purpose through Jesus. God was all on the task before we even knew God. And our purpose is part of a bigger plan. Thirdly, and this is another important key of Wesleyan Methodist theology, is that eternal life is both here and now and there and not yet. We have some sisters and brothers in, in different denominations, and, and we're not here to bash them, but we just have a different outlook. Some of our sisters and brothers tend to think of eternal life almost in a Willy Wonka chocolate factory kind of method, is what I would say. And, and it's, we're searching for this golden ticket, this ticket to heaven. And that is the driving most important thing in our life, is that we want to get this ticket to heaven. And that is good. And, and certainly that part of eternal life in heaven is important to us as well. But there's also another side of the same, very same coin, that eternal life is both here and now and there and not yet. There and not yet being heaven. But eternal life is also here and now. And we as Wesleyans would believe that eternal life begins when we receive and acknowledge our need for Jesus in our lives. That is the beginning of eternal life for us. And we are called, and the prayer we just said, we are called to be co-creators with Jesus to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We begin this eternal life creation with Jesus both here and now and there and not yet. That is the driving factor of what we do. This is why we do, uh, we partner with Ministry of Hope to fulfill and to, uh, to help feed hungry families in our neighborhoods. This is why we uh, have any kind of ministry that we do. This is why we send our youth to uh, rock the universe and Greg makes them come to worship. That is really mean. I'm just saying. They've been up all night for like three nights and now he makes them come to sit through worship. I like it, though. That's good. But it's, it's not about them getting a golden ticket for there and not yet. It's about shaping and molding their lives so that they will go and do God's will and bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And we're all called to do that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 12, 12 28, the end of that verse says, Jesus tells us that God's kingdom has already overtaken you. God is already at work. Jesus' kingdom is already here and moving and breathing and working. 
And Paul again tells us that this is happening and that God's purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ until we reach unity of the faith and knowledge of God's Son. God's goal for us is to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. So we become fully grown, and Jesus is our grading standard. As a result, we aren't supposed to be like infants any longer. We, we aren't supposed to be tossed here and there by every wind that comes from different teaching and deceitful scheming and the tricks that people play to deliberately mislead us. Instead, we're, we're speaking the truth in love, and we are called to grow in every way with Christ as the head, and then the whole body grows from him and is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. We aren't called to stay where we are. When we receive Jesus and our need for Jesus, we aren't called to stay where we are and wait for the there and not yet. We are called to grow and to mature and to change and to help Jesus change the world now. Ephesians goes on to say, and since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. All of us were corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking that is in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with a new person created according to God's design in justice and true holiness. We aren't supposed to stay who we were when we received Jesus and just wait for the, uh, the elevator to heaven. We are to put on new clothes. We're put to put on Jesus' clothes and go out and change the world with Jesus, bringing Jesus' kingdom here on earth. That's what we were created to be. That was God's original design. In the Garden of Eden, that God created us in God's image. And we were built to be part of that community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God gave, gave Adam a helpmate to be with him. And the two of them were to change that world. But then we, we know the story that sin entered in. And the sin was that we decided to live for ourselves and not for God. We decided we wanted to be dead to God and live for self. And then the whole reason for the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus came and lived among us, showed us how to live, and ultimately died among us. But Jesus died to self so that we could once again live for God. And he reset all of creation again. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. Luke 9, 23 says, that all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Nowhere does it say in there that we are to take up a cross, whatever way we might want to have it that particular day, no pickles or extra pickles, and follow Jesus. We're to take up our cross daily and follow him. Bonhoeffer, again, reminds us 
that when Christ calls us, he bids us to come and to die. And that's a, that's a dichotomy that's very difficult for us to grasp. If we want to live life and find our purpose and our fulfillment, that God says we must die to do that. If we want to find life in ourselves, we have to die to ourselves. If we choose to lose our lives, if we choose to die to self, then we will find life in God. And it's a life that is, is found in loving God and loving others. It's a life that's found in becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a life that is found in serving others according to our gifts and our talents. It's a life of sharing God's sightings, and we're going to talk more about God's sightings and what they are. And, and it's a life filled with meaning and purpose and fulfillment. All those other things that we see on social media are perfectly fine. But not if that's all there is. God is calling us to something deeper, something more something focused on bringing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, as we leave this place, let's remember that it's not about us, it's about God. And all of us were created with a very special, intentional purpose, individually and collectively as a community. And that we are go to go out and to work with God to bring about God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, here and now, and there and not yet. So let's leave this place going out and serving our neighbor and serving our God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.